This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome to United Hour, your one-stop shop for all things Manchester United. I'm your host, Nick. I'm Ed. And we welcome Adam to the show. Welcome, Adam. Hello there, everybody. Nice to be here. So, yeah, Adam Bateman joins us. Uh, primarily, we've got you on, Adam, for your knowledge about the women's team, because uh, we will be previewing the start of the women's Super League season. But, yeah, you are also going to join us because you're obviously a follower of the men's team as well, right? That's correct. I've been passionate for the men's team for most of my life. Well, you say most, you know, <laughs> not when I was a baby, but, you know, as much as I can be. <laughs> we are recording just a few hours after full time of Manchester United versus Arsenal. Our fourth win in the row takes us up to fifth place in the league. And yeah, look, things all of a sudden are looking up. Uh, I've not actually recorded for a couple of weeks, so I've missed the kind of more upbeat podcast. I think last time I was on, we'd got beaten uh, 4-0 by Brentford or something like that. So yeah, there's a lot more positive vibe around the place at the moment. Um, but yeah, we, look, I think we're not getting too carried away yet. But this actually today, look, is a big, big win. Uh, I mean, Arsenal had, were the only team who had a 100% record so far this season, riding high in the league. Coming to us, yeah, full strength, nothing to complain about there at Old Trafford. And for us to come away with a win here, I mean, it feels like a real, real sea change, right, Ed? Yeah, definitely. Definitely, 100%. I mean, it, not just that, but the manner of the win as well. Like, the previous two games were sort of a bit sketchy, but we we sort of ground out the wins. Um, but this one was much more... Um, the intensity was right for most of the game, and we, we certainly deserved to win this game, especially the scoreline. I think the scoreline was a very fair scoreline. Yeah, it does look around that. I mean, I would have some people might... Debate. I watched this in the pub. Uh, most of my friends with me are actually either Arsenal or anyone but United, ABUs as we call them, uh, lads I play football with. Um, and they probably say we were a bit lucky, but uh, did say, yeah, we deserved the win. I mean, looking at the XG, Man United were at 2.03, Arsenal at 1.42. So, yeah, that suggests the win was fair. Maybe three one flattened us slightly, but uh, I don't think it was too crazy. I mean, oh, Adam, I think... how were you feeling, kind of pre match? Were you confident before this one? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I must admit, I was confident before the match because we've had a good record against them at Old Trafford in previous years, despite you know us being, shall we say, not as good as we have been in previous years. But you know, coming into this, I know they were top the five out of five, but there was just something that said. To me, today's the day that they're going to lose. And, you know, we just get that feeling inside. It's not trying to be overly biased or anything, but you go to a match. Well, I wasn't at the match, but, you know, you, you go to match day, match day mode, and it's just something something in the air. Something feels different about the about today, and especially Eric Ten Hag, the new manager. He's, you know, ever since the transfer window's closed and he's got his business sorted, as, you know, apart from, say, um, was it De Jong, I think he's got the squad now that he wants and he's managed to work with them. And today was a day where where we just it just all came together right, I felt. It just it was just great to see you know, the old fortress of Old Trafford. I know, you know, just ignore the Brighton game, you know, just ignore that. It just the fortress it just seems to be coming back again, especially after the Liverpool game as well. It's just I was just so excited and the manner of the game as well. You know, you know, the VAR, presumably we get to the VAR decision as well. Um, but it just it just always seems to be a case of 
the players getting the manager. You know, I, I think we had that under Ali where we finished second and, you know, we we're one kick, one kick away from UEFA Europa League glory. But And then I think it went a bit haywire under Ralph for a while. But just, the magic just seems to be coming back again. And today, I really, really enjoyed it. I can't lie. Just watching it, it was, it was, I enjoyed it. You know, Anthony has brought a bit of, you know, the Brazilian flair. I mean, in the past, we've not had the best Brazilian flair players. Um, you know, I loved Rafael and Fabio, don't get me wrong. Um, but they weren't, you know, the highest, the highest echelon Brazilian players. We never really have that. And I think with Anthony now, we're getting that. And and I, and I thank Edwin van der Sar, you know, and our partnership with Ajax seems to be a bit, bit, bit of, you know, togetherness. And well, we seems... have we have paid a big, big fee for there. Yeah, and, yeah look, that was yeah, a big we, talking point yeah, big from fee. the starting lineup today was obviously the Anthony starting. The partnership seems to be there with Ajax, you know, because... Edwin, you know, he's exonited, you know, as though I don't know the exact positional name Ajax he's got. But, you know, he seems to be happy to work with us more than, say, Barcelona with De Jong, who's been happy to work with us to get a transfer done. You know, just... just I just think, to, to be fair, point. I think Barcelona are ready to send us De Jong. <laughs> uh, it was more issues between Barcelona and De Jong himself. Um, but, you know, yeah, I do get what you mean. We have a good relationship with Ajax. Obviously, we've taken the manager there. Then uh, Martinez has come in. Anthony went right to the wire and assigned just before the kind of close of the transfer window. I know um, Imran and Oshwin did a kind of rundown of the transfer window the other day. I mean, I was actually a bit worried about this Anthony transfer. I think we've paid an absolutely insane amount for him. Uh, but look, he came in today. He scored a goal on his debut. You cannot ask for more than that. I mean, I was actually pretty shocked to see him in the starting lineup. Ed, were you expecting Anthony in there? Yeah, no, not at all. No, I, you know, you, normally you sort of expect a player like that, specifically like attacking pair, to be eased into the squad and eased into, especially coming from like a league like the Eredivisie, to be eased into the the league. But do you know, Eric Tenghard knows this guy and he's played for him for a year. He knows what to expect from Eric Tenghard, and you know, he knows what to expect from Anthony in in terms of what what's needed on the pitch. And I guess that's that's exactly why he went straight in. You know, more so than say Casemiro has so far. Um and I Yeah, it was interesting that because I thought that Ten Hag might mix up the pack today because he'd started the same team three matches in a row. We played Leicester just Thursday night, and I was starting to get worried about the freshness of the team and yeah. thought maybe we need some rotation. At the same time, you obviously understand, like, why would you change a winning team? You've got a solid base. They're doing well. So it was really interesting to see today that he's still more or less stuck with the team. It was only uh, Elanga came out, Anthony came in. I actually thought Casemiro might have started today, but Ten Hag was asked about it, and he made some pretty clear comments about saying that Casemiro still needs to learn my way of playing. Yeah. So even though we're talking about a guy who's like multiple Champions League winner, Loads of games for Real Madrid, Brazil. There's about as much experience as you can possibly find. Ten Hag is still very clear saying he still needs to learn to do things my way. And yeah, I actually like to see that, that, yeah. uh, you know, players aren't just going to walk in. Whereas he has thrown in, Martinez came straight into the team. Uh, Anthony's come straight into the team because they're the ones that he wants to bring his style in, bring his way in. Um, and look, as I said, Anthony, you can't really argue with coming in and making a debut goal. It's about as perfect as it could have been. And as you noted, Adam, the feel-good factor is back at Old Trafford after that awful start to the season. I mean, I've actually been really unlucky because I, I was there for that Brighton loss. But then because of work and things like that, I've not I've missed Liverpool and I've missed Arsenal. Two like big wins, two home wins. Uh, you know, what would traditionally have been our biggest kind of game to the season. Arsenal now I know is taking a kind of step back over the years and years and years. But yeah, now today them sitting top of the league, that is still a massive win for us. Uh, and now, look, we're like three points off top spot, just off the top four. So, can you I, know, we can kind of forget about that awful start to the season and we're right back in the mix. Can I sort of circle back onto Anthony? Again? Yeah, go. Like, like it's, it's not, it wasn't just it that he got a debut goal. He, his performance was very industrious and, you know, he was up and down the wing, you know, not afraid to get stuck in a bit of fire and, um, uh, he had a few chances, didn't he? And I, I, you know, I think that first goal doesn't happen if you've got a right-footed player there because they're just mm -hmm. going to check it onto the right. 
he he came onto it onto his left first time, boom. You know that that doesn't happen with a, a player that's you know right footed. Well, what um what I'm thinking is because you got the the three there, Rashford, Sancho, and Anthony. Now, I think you can not not say rotate them in terms of positioning on the pit on the pitch far more than when we had say say Ronaldo because he's far you know more of a static player these days and in, in the latter part of his career. So he wants all the chances fed to him. It's a bit like um, in, a, in a small roundabout way when we had Rude, Rude van Nistelrooy up top. Everything was fed to Rude, mm-hmm. just like everything needs to be fed to Ronaldo on the plate. Whereas with now, with the three that we've got there now, Rashford, Sancho and Anthony, it, teams don't know who to mark because they, they can play on either. Rashford, Anthony can switch. One can go through the middle. One can play wide at one's team. So it's a lot harder when they're moving like that. Or, or you know, the possibilities thereof can be made like that. They'd rather having just Ronaldo on the pitch, you know, to feed all. But he's, you know, obviously still a brilliant player. I'm not trying to put him down. You know, who oh, I you would. Know. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, you know. But I, he's, he's still... I've got a chip on my shoulder, though. Okay, well, he's their own, you know. <laughs> but you have to mean, he, he's had a brilliant career and now, but it's, you know, fading away slightly, but you still give him a chance and could score still. But I think it's a lot harder to mark our three players as they are now if you're a, if you're a centre-back. If you yeah, definitely. One, they're interchanging. They're flexible. Yeah. Exactly. I know what you mean there, and it's exactly the difference. Uh, I mean, I've said since the day Ronaldo arrived that if Ronaldo can accept being part of a squad, that he'll come in for half an hour now and again, that he might play sixty minutes and be substituted, that he can actually be a really good squad option for us. Yeah. Whereas, you know, we saw him in the last year throwing his toys out the pram if he got substituted. He expects to start every game. And I think now, you know, Eric Ten Hag seems to have brought him down maybe a peg or two and said, listen, you're part of a squad, you're part of a team, you're still important, but it's not all about you. And I like to see as well that Ronaldo, look, he celebrated that Anthony goal. He's not moping around the fact that he's not. He, he, I think he seems like he is ready to be part of this team. So a key thing, I think, is Ronaldo's belief in the manager. Mm -hmm. I think it could be key because before Ralph Regenek, when he when Ronaldo was there, I don't think Ronaldo thought that Ralph was a top class manager, and it, I don't think Ronaldo thought that he was on the level to get us where we needed to go. But previously, where you saw there was a relationship with Ronaldo with when with Ollie when Ollie was manager, I think Ronaldo believed in Ollie, and I think you saw that in some of the, well, the performances under Ollie with Ronaldo. But it dipped under Ralph because I don't think Ronaldo thought Ralph was a serious candidate to manager. He was never really going to be here for the long term. I think that so was a what... big thing because he was interim. Ooh. I think a lot of the players kind of didn't buy into Ranić because they knew he was only going to be around for a short period of time. Uh, but it seems like the players are definitely bought into Eric Ten Hag. Mm. You can see that they're all doing what he wants to do. They're still nowhere near the finished article of the way he wants to be playing. Nowhere near. It's still going to take a while. It'll be a process. And he has started kind of, he's almost shifted his way himself to kind of favour our players and do it his way. But look, you can't argue with it over there. Um, I mean, I'd say the first half today was kind of of even there. But look, to go in at halftime and be 1-0 up was great, right, Ed? Yeah, well, to be honest, I thought it'd been slightly criminal if we didn't finish the half with a goal. To be honest, I thought we played really well, and the only times when they sort of troubled us, I, I felt we were in control for the most part. I didn't, I didn't feel like, um, apart from apart from the obvious foul that I'm, I'm sure we'll get onto, uh, that the Arsenal looked like scoring really. I, I, but look, let's get onto it now. I mean, as I said, I was watching this in a pub. Uh, I live in London, so there was a lot of Arsenal fans in there. <laughs> Big celebrations when that goal comes in. Of course, as soon as that first replay comes, I was like instantly, look, that is a foul. That is a foul. Yeah. It has to be stopped. But I was still worried because we've seen so many bad yeah. VAR decisions this weekend. So I was still worried about whether they give us the foul or not. Um, I mean, Adam, when you first saw it, did you think this going to be given oh, or was it still in the balance? When I saw the replay, I thought, come on, there's got to be a foul. But then you think, what is a foul these days? You know, yeah. so, you know, it's kind of almost 50-50 whether it's going to be given, whether it's not going to be given. 
but so yeah, I was delighted. I, I thought it was a foul, but I was delighted when it you know was chalked off. And you know, well, there's that um, amazing stat, isn't there? When we go in a half in leading at half time in the Premier League game, I don't think we've ever lost yeah. in the history of the Premier League. Not it's since an Leicester absolute years crazy. Ago. Yeah, it's a crazy stat that. But uh, but that is an incredible record. If nobody saw Ooh. that, that in that entire Premier League era, when we were ahead at half time, we have never lost a match. Uh, and yeah, look, this was on the balance. And we have to say, when the second half started, we did not start well. Arsenal yeah. came out very strong. I think it was pretty clear that Ten Hag had told us players to sit back a little bit yeah. and go for the break after half time. I think it was pretty clear that. And I'm not sure if that was the best idea because Arsenal was straight away on the front foot, created a couple of chances. And yeah, look, within 15 minutes, they were back to 1-1. It was actually only a minute after Ronaldo came on, but I, I can't blame Ronaldo in any way. Not uh, this time. <laughs> but yeah, look, it went wow. to 1-1. I thought it was actually a pretty good Arsenal goal, to be fair to them. And yeah, they were playing all right. As I said, up to that point, it was quite an even game. It was like back and forth. There was quite a few openings here and there. Um, you know, I thought we were like worthy of our 1-0, but I thought they were also worthy of getting back into that match. Yeah, certainly. Certainly after the performance, you know, we just didn't really live with them for a short amount of time in the in that second half. And they de- definitely deserve their goal, I'd say. Yes, uh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, just it was. Um, I think there were always that 10, 15 minute period after half time. Team was always going to, you know, come out with a bit of gusto, a bit of fire in the belly. You know, going to come at us and try and, you know, go for the go for the equaliser. So you know, it wasn't that much of a shock when they did get it, unfortunately. But after that, I thought, I thought. This is the time to see how we react to that. This is the time to to show our metal, and boy, did we show it after that. I thought, you know, for somebody that's got you know had a lot of detractors, Tommy, I thought was absolutely great. I thought, you know, he put his foot in, he did his passing well. You know, I just thought, you know, I think he's been lifted by the competition, by the arrival of Casemiro, because he knows that his position is seriously under threat now. And, you know, if anything, would you drop McTominay after after the performances against Liverpool, against Arsenal now? Well, that was the amazing thing. Like, you know, one of my favourite stats that regular listeners will know is always looking at passing accuracy stats. And this actually goes back to Louis van Gaal days when he was all about possession. But I've always kind of kept a lookout for this. And, you know, I was absolutely scathing of Scott McTominay early in the season. When we lost a couple of those games, he was down at like in the 60%, 66%. It means he's giving away like one out of every three of his passes. Today, Scott McTominay, and it's one of the first times, I'm telling you, I look at these stats every week. It's one of the first times I've ever seen this in years and years and years, had 100% passing accuracy. He didn't give any ball away in the entire match. And you literally don't see that. As I said, I look at these stats week in, week out. It's one of my favourites. And it's, you know, you might see a player who comes on late in the match, plays like 15 minutes, he might get 100%. But for a player who starts a game, you don't ever see that. Even when it was under Louis van Gaal, when he was all about keeping possession Scott McTominay today had 100% passing accuracy I mean I I will still say he often still has less passes less touches than a lot of people in our team he's doing a lot of the running he's doing a lot of the hard work but still it means what he did as a 100% and yeah it's an absolute sea change from that kind of Brighton game at the start when I said he was down in the 60s I do think because for a while we you know we've had this you know McFred you know partnership in midfield and it's I think there have been the, our only two midfield options for a, for a while, really, haven't they? I mean, you know, there's not really been that much available yeah. squad rotation with, um, oh, what's his name? He's come back from Everton. Um, yeah, Donny van der Beek was around. Van you know, Pogba was around, yeah, tried now and again, much. but it never so really worked out. So there wasn't that much need for either of them, in a way, to up their performances. I know you want everyone to play 100% for your team all the time, you know, play for the badge, play for the shirt. But you can get in a bit of a lull, a bit of complacency could set in if you know that really you're the only one in your position, so you're going to get picked no matter what. But with Casemiro signing now, both him and Fred know that, you know, really one of them eventually might have to go out of the side to accommodate Casemiro starting because, you know, eventually you would kind of think Casemiro will start some games. Yeah. Um, well. And so... 
he has up, upped his game to make him, at the minute, I'd say undroppable at the minute. So it's kind of a case of slot Casemiro in, at, you know, when and if at the minute. And that's it's such a tremendous thing to see. Yeah, definitely. You know, you know McTominay absolutely has raised his level there. Uh, the other one I, is Marcus Rashford. Uh, oh, I mean, yeah. he's another player who's had so much abuse. I've always defended him. I've said that the amount of stick he's got was ridiculous, that he'd had a couple of great seasons, then he had a really bad injury, surgery, and of course, last season was an absolute write-off. But now this season, he's you know he got the assist the other day. Uh, he scored against Liverpool, two goals and an assist today. Uh, I mean, actually, I've been looking pre-match at trying to work out how I can get him into my fantasy football team. But uh, (laughs) at the moment, I haven't got enough spare cash. I'm either going to have to take a hit somewhere. But yeah, he's down as a midfielder. So I'm sure everybody's (laughs) going to be looking at how they're drafting Marcus Rashford into their fantasy football team. And yeah, look, it's great to see. Um, You know, now we have options as well with Anthony coming in. It starts giving different chances. You know, Martial has still not been in there. So Rashford has been played kind of out of position. But this is the interesting thing, that he scores those two goals after Ronaldo comes in and he goes back to what I'd say is his more natural position where he has a bit more freedom and that's where he's come in and scored two goals from there. Uh, I mean, Ed, would you agree with that? That you still want to see Rashford more on the wide, on the left yeah. side? C- certainly. Well, because Rashford will live to play after last man uh, and that that's his game type. So like, you know, I think Bruno said after the game, you know, he'll play those balls and Rashford just has just got to run because he knows it's going it's to come. Um I would say that Rashford could do better, though. I, I, you know, he's, he's, he started the season well, but like I think, I think there's a few fitness issues there where he's, he's not pressing all all throughout a match like other players are. Um, and I think that's that is possibly down to his personal fitness. I, I could be wrong, but that that's just my inkling. Um, yeah, and and. I, I'm a huge fan of Marcus Rashford. He's, he's a fantastic human being and a, a, a very good footballer. Um, so he can't really do much wrong for me. I know, I know some people want want rid of him, but I would. I think I think he's going to have a good season for us under Ten Hag. Now, I think he's going to really kick on this year. Yeah, the yeah. most interesting thing will be when the next England squad comes out. Uh, you know, Rashford, Sancho have been out of there. And interesting as well, we have to see. I mean, Maguire, Shaw were like picks every time for Gareth Southgate. And yeah, I can't really see how they can be picked in the next squad, seeing as they're out of there. Uh, I mean, obviously, Maguire did come in as a late substitute today. And I would say still looked slightly <laughs> shaky, unfortunately. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, you're hoping he can come in and start playing himself back into some form. But no. No, like almost straight away he gave away pretty bad foul. It wasn't totally his fault, but he did give away like uh, that foul and free kick. Yeah, he had it uh, all the wrong shape though, didn't he? Uh, yeah, look, let's see, let's see where he could but, go. But you know, I, I, if he rehabilitates his United career, that can only be a positive thing for Manchester United, you know, and him. So I, I you know, I give him the rope to. Have the opportunities. Well, look, we'll talk at the end of the show more about Europa League. I do think that we might get a lot of changes in that game and the likes of Maguire will get a chance, but we'll talk about that at the end of the show. I mean, I want to finish off the Arsenal game by talking about Christian Eriksen, who was given man of the match today. Uh, I mean, I'm amazed, actually, that he's started four games in a row for us, has not looked tired as you can see his immense qualities, just a classy guy in midfield. Uh, You know, the absolute I think it was talked about in the last show, like the absolute opposite to Bruno, who's always taking that risky pass. Yeah, Sometimes yeah. might give it away, but, you know, still gets that assist. Today, he did get an assist. He got the goal the other day, whereas Ericsson does not give it away. He's always making the right choice. He's always keeping hold of it. And he did have one chance early on at the kind of back post that I thought he was kind of unlucky with. It was a nice kind of volley. He could have done slightly better, but it might be being harsh on him because it was even a pretty good effort there. But yeah, look, he was given man of the match today. Some great passes. Uh, at least two of our goals were kind of all started by him. And yeah, look, for a free transfer coming in, I mean, that's some great business, isn't it, Adam? Oh, fantastic. I mean, obviously... You know, the circumstances around his whole, you know, health situation means that we have to take extra, extra precautions with him. And uh, as you say, it's a bit of a shock. He's played so many games. And uh, I don't know, did he say, I read somewhere he's got a pacemaker or something after what what happened? Yeah, 
Yeah, he had something fitted in, and that was actually Ooh. the reason why he had his contract cancelled in Italy because due to their kind of football laws, anybody who has that kind of, uh, I think it's, I can't remember what it's called exactly, but it's something like a pacemaker yeah. cannot play, um, and that's why he's been given the chance to come back over here. And yeah, I like to say I did not expect that he's going to be a player that can play two matches for us in a week, uh, no. 90 minutes each time. I mean, like I said, we'll talk about it later towards the end of the show, but I'm sure he'll get a rest in the next game. But yeah, it's just done amazingly. I, I, I think you, you, know, for, you can't get any better than a free transfer like that. I mean, you, you, you just sees the bigger picture on the pitch. Yeah. And he, and he just can it just pass he just knows when to pass make the right pass it's so, it sounds easy to say make the right passes and you know you can talk about hindsight or whatever but on the pitch in the moment it's very hard to do and what he does he does it at a tremendously high level I mean I, I'm just I'm delighted that we got him and this is where I think he belongs now you know he, he you know everybody's got a, you know a bit of an ego about them but he just he sees the, sees the passes, and you know this is a stage where I think he knows. You know, obviously, I think he he will help us to get Champions League football this year, and I think that's where he belongs in the Champions League. He is that type of classy player. I really can't say enough good things about him. Honestly, I can't. Totally I, agree with you, and I don't know if you you should go and look at. There's a great interview if you haven't seen it that he's on the pitch with Roy Keane at the end of the match, and uh, Roy Keane actually has a dig at him. He says, "I don't have any questions for you because I'm still annoyed the goal you scored for Denmark against Ireland didn't like some <laughs> qualifier." Whatever go. <laughs> but yeah, it's well worth looking at. I I think his greatest impact so far is actually Scott McTominay's form, and I think that's in part due to. Um, there's less responsibility on Scott Tommy to progress the ball from defence to attack. And he he's like, I imagine if you look at the uh, the wagon wheel of where those passes went, uh, most of them will have gone to probably Christian Eriksen from Scott McTominay though, um, to progress the ball. So that, you know, all Scott has to do is shield the defence, put in tackles and, you know, press. Do the dirty work. The water do the dirty carrier. work. And, and that's probably why you know, Christian Eriksen is able to play four games in in however many days, however many weeks at ninety minutes. You know, he's been his legs. It's like um, Roy Keane said about Darren Fletcher: I could play for another ten years with you next to me. Yeah, yeah. But look, as I say, an absolute great win, four wins in a row, beating unbeaten Arsenal. He had this, as I said, I made a bit of a joke with it. I said I was in the pub with Arsenal fans. I said, I think today's got the feeling of when we stop your invincibles. If you remember that. We were the ones oh, who broke yeah. that invincible run. But yeah, but they the... had 50, 50 and out t-shirts under exactly. the you know, shirts all ready to lift up when they scored, uh, you know, to show 50 and out. Like, ah, we ruined that. That was fun. <laughs> but obviously, it's not on that level, but yeah, no, they were, no, you no. know, they'd won all their matches this season. Everybody was like now proclaiming the new Arsenal, they're back, championship challengers and everything. But yeah, it was nice to bring them down a peg or two over there. But look, we're going to take a quick break now. And when we come back, we will preview the Women's Super League season and then uh, have a chat about the Europa League. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we are back. Uh, as I say, following on from that uh, great win against Arsenal, Manchester United women will be kicking off the Women's Super League season against Arsenal's North London rivals Tottenham this weekend. And Adam Bateman is joining us as an expert on the women's team. Uh, Adam, you're a season ticket holder of the women, right? 
Yes, I've, I've been season holder ever since the new team, current team, has come back. I went to the very first Continental Cup one away at Liverpool when it was all brand new. It was like, oh, there's only a couple of a couple of us at Brenton Park there until now. Currently, yep. I've really enjoyed watching the whole watch the season, all the ups and downs. <laughs> yeah, so that was 2018 that uh, yeah. Manchester United women's team were kind of reformed and come back in. Uh, we'd started in the second division, the championship, and now spent, uh, what is it? So are we coming in the third season or is it fourth season in the uh, women's the, Super League? The, uh, it'd be, this is going to be the fourth season. In the fourth Super season. Yeah. And we finished fourth last season, which is just outside the kind of Champions League places because it's top three for the women, right? Uh, I will actually be going to this opening game of the season, which is in the proper Spurs stadium, that brand new stadium. So it's great that the women can kick off the season in the big stadiums over there. And I think there will be a good turnout. Still actually tickets on sale if anybody's around London and fancies going to that. Um, but look, why don't you tell us Adam, a bit about the kind of transfer business that's been done this summer. Uh, do you think our team can push on from that fourth place and challenge for getting into those Women's Champions League places? To be honest, this is probably ever since Casey Stoney started the team and where we had to literally put together a whole new squad in about three weeks. You know, and all the troubles, you know, you can imagine trying to do that, trying to put together a team in such a small amount of time. Uh, apart from that summer, this summer has been absolutely huge in terms of overhaul. We've made seven transfers coming into the club, and I think it's just a similar amount that's left us. I mean, it's a, basically almost a completely different squad from the one that started last season or even ended last season. We brought in lots of top-class players. Well, obviously, the most high-profile one has been Nikita Paris, mm -hmm. who came from um, Arsenal, who, you know, you know, we've had a bit of an up and down season there. Didn't really fit in with um, their manager there, Jonas Jonas's plans. But still, as you saw at the recent game against Austria, and just you know, Thursday was it we played for England, she scored an absolute fantastic goal there, and the talent is still there. But I, yeah, I that was the goal that actually got our lionesses qualified for next year's Women's World Cup, right? Yeah, not in Australia, New Zealand, down under, down there, and you know, she only scored one penalty at Arsenal last season. But that's just because she didn't fit in with the, the plans at Arsenal. That doesn't make her a bad player. That just means she just didn't fit in with the plans there. That's all. I mean, we have we had it last season where we had Siggy Bruyne with us. She didn't fit in with us. She's still scoring goals in Lyon in France. It just happens with good players. Sometimes they just don't fit into a team. That's all. And so I reckon we brought in Nikita Paris from Arsenal. Um, a wonderfully young, talented player from Everton, Grace Clinton. Uh, May May Letitia, no relation to the Matthew mm. Letitia from you know, the ex Southampton one. Uh, we got uh, Mayer from Brighton. Um, we was we got um, we was uh, Alicia Takanara from Atletico Madrid, the French um, centre back. Um, who else was? Blah, 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 blah. Yes, I think. Oh, so Rachel Williams from Spurs, who's an experienced campaigner, a striker, centre forward. Um, just rather been so Adriana Leon, as you can see, there's quite a lot. Try to try to remember them all from West Ham, Canadian gold medal, Olympic gold medal winner. So, as you can see, the squad has completely changed. And, um, plus with the foundation, and as you see at the recent Euros with um Alicia Russo doing the back heel against Sweden, you know, get famous for that. And then you got Ella, uh, Ella Toon. Goal of the final, wonderful. England's number one goalkeeper, player of the tournament in my mind. It was absolutely fantastic. Got her shirt on here, Mary Earps. Mm -hmm. um, so, there's just so much talent in this squad now. It, it, I, I'm honestly, I cannot recommend enough, highly enough, that everybody, as many people as possible, get down to Lee Sports Village for the home games where the home games are played and support this team. This is the best squad we've had. Put ever in terms of professional ever since we've started 2018. We dominated the championship when we were in it, but that was a squad of its time, of its era. And it, I want to say eras, you know. But, you know, this, I'm just, I hope you can tell, I'm just so passionate about this squad. The talent we've got, I mean, it's, it's, it's now so hard to pick an actual starting 11. I mean, we, we were talking with the men earlier about how you could, you know, rotate this player, that player, Casemiro, for. 
McTominay or whoever, but it's just kind of similar with the women, especially going forward now. We've got so much talent there. And at, the, and at the back, especially, we've got Millie Turner coming back, who had a, who had a neck injury, who missed six months last season. And that was crucial because you look at the table last season, we finished five points behind City, but we conceded three goals in injury time, which makes us drop points. And the total combined time, which we were behind, which we equalised those games, were about five minutes. That's how close we were to the Champions League. We're about five minutes away from Champions League qualification. So with the reinforcements we've got at the back now, plus this depth in midfield and attack, I mean, honestly, I am so looking forward to this season, honestly. And yes, there is so much competition from the other teams in there, like Chelsea, Arsenal and Man City, all fighting for the Champions League places. But you can't write off Spurs either. They've had some good signings as well. But to me, I think this is the year. This is the year. Uh, it's not been helped coefficient-wise coefficient by City getting eliminated in the Champions League qualifying rounds to Real Madrid to get into the group stages. It's only the champions that get into the group stages now because the coefficient numbers dropped. But do we even qualify in the qualifying rounds? I think this is the season that we can do it. There's been a bit of turmoil at Man City. They've had a few players leave, like Lucy Bronze, George Stanway, the two high-profile INSs there. And they've replaced... And Ellen White sadly retired, um, you know, with health injury there as well. Um, but I think the, the depth that we've got now... And I, I have faith in Mark Skinner, the United Women's Manager, that we can do this. I honestly, truly believe this is the year that we can get through and finish above City. I... I can't say we're going to finish above either Chelsea or Arsenal. All right. They're still the big two in women's football, yes. right? Chelsea and Arsenal. So City are the ones we really need to be heading for to get into those Champions League places. Uh, and yeah, look, I've said before on this podcast myself that I recommend people get down to Lee Sports Village, which is the home ground for the women's team. Uh, I mean, how much did you say a season ticket for the women is how much does it cost? £39. That's absolutely crazy. I mean, you compare that to a men's season ticket where you're talking seven, eight, even £900 to get a season ticket for the whole season for £39 is crazy. I mean, I have actually been to a few women's matches and one of the reasons is I take my daughter who's, you know, she's only like six years old and the price, uh, you know, is so cheap. Like, I will be going to the opening game in the main Spurs stadium. It's like £7 for adults, three fifty for children. I mean, if you went to a men's match there, you're talking about 50, 60 quid, <laughs> even for like a kid's ticket. Uh, so yeah, you can get these much cheaper days out there and also I think the women are they penciled in to play at Old Trafford uh, at some point when was yeah, it I'm used to the dates but it's Aston Villa in December during in December. when the men's team are in, you know, having a break at the World the Cup top. yeah that's yeah. right yeah. it will be interesting now to see after the Lionesses success whether these kind of things change. Because now, you know, the likes of Mary Earps, Elatune, Alessia Russo have become kind of household names. Ooh. Whereas before that tournament, of course, people like yourself who follow the women's game knew them, but the general public and everybody like that might not have been so familiar. Whereas now, these names, everybody knows, they'll go around, we'll see from there. I mean, I do know, actually, isn't there still like a kind of contract issue with Alessia Russo going yeah, into this season? There's um, a few players, because in the, in the women's game, you don't get, four, five, six-year deals that you, you see in the men's game. Traditionally, the, you only get two or, th you know, at the most three-year contracts. I mean, I think somebody at Chelsea just had a four-year deal, but um, that's completely out of the norm. Traditionally, they're only one or two years. And so with Russo, um, Russo, Erna Battle, who's a, who's a fantastic Spanish fullback, um, Millie Turner and a few others have really got one year left on their deals mm -hmm. and so that's the issue that you know we really have to kind of sort them out we brought in a new women's director of football Polly Polly Bancroft if I can get the name right from Brighton and hopefully one of her responsibilities is to sort out contracts yeah, that is a really good move because I know a lot of the women's fans are saying, look, we need our own structure. And also for the men's team, you know, it's too much for 
John Murto to be dealing with all the men's stuff and then have to oversee the women's mm. side. So I think that is a great move that they're getting some different kind of hierarchy and directors in just to specifically to deal with the women's football. Uh, worth mentioning as well that I know two of our matches will be televised on the BBC in October versus Brighton and Everton. Uh, so I do think this season there is going to be a lot more exposure for the women's football, like I say, coming off the back of that great Lionesses win. Uh, and yeah, it's brilliant to see. And like I say, I encourage people, especially you want to take kids for their first kind of experience. The prize, you know, the atmosphere is a much more kind of family-friendly atmosphere as well. Uh, yeah, it's a great way to get your kids introduced to football. But to me, Lee Sports Village has been our home and is our home for the foreseeable future until the club decide otherwise. So pack that place out. Please come. Please join us. It's, it's, it's an amazing place to come and you will enjoy it, honestly. £39 for a season ticket. I think it's £7 for a match. You will not be disappointed. This team tries and tries and tries their best. And with so many international world-class players now in our team, this is the season to get down there. This is the season to watch them. So please do that. No, and I absolutely echo that. Like I say, I think this is the season that women's football will really break out from where it's been. There has already been a lot more exposure, a lot more interest, but especially that Lionesses win. You can see as well that our club are taking it more seriously. Uh, You know, there was a lot of kind of negativity and Mm. fair criticism off our club for not having a women's team for so long. And they kind of, you know, started it in 2018. But yeah, now they do seem to be coming quite seriously. And as you say, there's been a lot of criticism of our transfers in the men's team about how, you know, they came too late and things like that, whereas it seems the women's team have got all their transfer in place before the season started and, yeah, are looking ready and raring to go for this season and really try and hit towards that uh, Champions League places for them. So, yeah, look, look out for United Women. We will be covering them all this season and keeping updated there. I'm sure, yeah, Adam, we will get you back on as well to keep us updated with how the women are going there. As I said, I will be going to that opening game against Spurs and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, But yeah, we will take another quick break there and then yeah, we'll come back and talk about coming back into the Europa League. Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So, our next matchup is on Thursday against Real Sociedad. Kicks off our Europa League campaign. Uh, I mean, look, in the past, the Europa League was something we really didn't want to be in. After last season, we were actually ecstatic that we did not end up in the Europa Conference League. And thankfully, uh, made it just at the end, slipped into the Europa League over there. And also Arsenal, uh, who we're beating today, will be there as well. Uh, so our group is Real Sociedad. Uh, we're off to Moldova against Sheriff Tiraspol, which is the real like Europa League destination, ending up in Moldova, You're right on the Ukrainian border as well. I mean, uh, I think, <laughs> as, as I understand, uh, Tiraspol is quite a kind of politically controversial area, so they don't actually play their home matches in their own city. They have to move to the capital city, which I think is a bit oh, more okay. calm and safe over there, uh, Chis now. But then, yeah, we're also going out to Cyprus against Ammonia Nicosia. Uh, so, yeah, these are our competition for this. And really, look, our most difficult games are quite clearly going to be against Real Sociedad. But we should not 
discount the rights of Sheriff, to, to Sheriff Tiraspol, who beat Real Madrid in Ooh. the Champions League last season uh, and shocked a lot of people in the Champions League last season. I think they ended up going third and then did drop down to Europa League as well. But people are expecting them to be absolute whipping boys. Um, so, yeah, look, you, like I say, you end up going to these far-fung places. And I know quite a lot of the kind of United Euro away following are absolutely ecstatic that we get like a new country to tick off the list. Uh, you know, we'll be ready to go out and make the most of that Moldova trip and go in there. But look, we kick off our first match at home, Real Sociedad. Uh, you know, we know this team quite well. We've played them a couple of times in recent history. We played them in the Champions League. No, sorry, in the Europa League in 2021. Yeah. Um, we had a nil-nil at Old Trafford. And then we smashed them 4-0 away in Real Sociedad, if you remember. That was under Ole when uh, on our kind of way to that Europa League final, basically, that year. Then I actually remember better 2013 under David Moyes. I went out to Sociedad away. San Sebastian is the city, a great city. So all of those United fans who are making it out to San Sebastian, I really envy you. That's one of the best Euroways I've ever done. I love the Basque country out there. Uh, but it was a terrible match, even though I had a great time. It was nil-nil. Marwan Fellaini got sent off and we were happy to come away with the nil-nil draw there. Uh, but we did beat them 1-0 at Old Trafford that year and uh, qualified. So yeah, it's a team we know relatively well. Uh, and you're hoping we kick off this Europa League campaign quite well. I mean, it, I think the Europa League is going to be important for us this year, even though we're riding pretty well now, just on this cusp of getting back in that top four, looking like we will be in that top four battle. It's still not going to be easy. There's at least six teams who expect to be top four this season. So then, you know, the Europa League becomes of extra importance. Um, but at the same time, I'm expecting, just because we've had the same lineup four times in a row, that we're going to shuffle the pack a bit. I mean, Ed, who do you expect to be coming in for that Thursday night game? Uh, well, I think Fred had a really good cameo in the Arsenal game today. It Like, he came on, it, it really sort of took the sting out of um, Arsenal's play uh, and almost, create, almost created a couple of chances, almost, well, almost created a couple of goals. Um, so I think he probably deserves to come in and uh, play midfield, um, perhaps with... Um, Casemiro maybe I don't know uh, they, they've got an established partnership um, for Brazil haven't they so you know perhaps Ten Hag will trust them to continue that form into the Europa League um, yeah I'm not I'm not too sure really it, is Martial going to be fit I'm not sure. Like He was not available for this game uh, he was pictured in the stands I mean the other kind of fringe players you're looking like obviously Maguire came off the bench will he yeah. get a start Luke Shaw has not played for a while. Um, Ronaldo, of course, could come in is, over there. Uh, is De, De Brobka eligible for this? Is, is he was he registered in the European squad? I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think I assume he will be. I assume De Brobka so will be registered. I don't. I presume De Gea is going to rest. It's just a case of will it be him or will it be Heaton that. I'm, I'm pretty sure if De Gea gets a rest, that it will be De Bruyne who comes yeah. in and gets his uh, I wasn't pretty sure if he was, uh, you know, re- registered in time or not. That was yeah, really yeah. I am pretty sure he's ready to play over there, and yeah, it will be interesting to see how much he rotates. I mean. I wouldn't expect a full kind of rotated team because obviously Real Sociedad are a decent team. They're not going to be a walkover on paper. They are our most difficult uh, matchup that we're going to come up across in this thing. Like as I say, we can't discount some of these away kind of fixtures over there. Um, but yeah, I would expect quite a few changes. Uh, I mean, I did see that Donny van der Beek was injured today. Otherwise, he might be somebody who might expect to come in there. Aaron Wan-Bissaka has also been injured. So yeah, I'm not sure what will happen with them. Uh, I mean, Real Sociedad Sociedad have had a kind of mixed start to the season. I think they drew their last game with Atletico Madrid. They won one before that, got hammered off Barcelona the week before. So, yeah, they're not in any great place at all. So, yeah, you'd be hoping that we can start well and get that Europa League campaign sewn up, hopefully quickly. I mean, it's a weird one this year because obviously the World Cup comes in in the middle of it all. Um, so yeah, where these matches fit in and then we kick off after that is all slightly bizarre compared to kind of normal times. Um, you know, they will get all these matches will be done before the World Cup comes. So they come thick and fast. You know, we play yeah. every week twice now. As I say, we start 
with a Sociedad at home. Then we go away to Moldova. Then we're away in Cyprus. Then we're back at home against Omnia, uh, home against Sheriff. We finish off away at Sociedad, which should be our most difficult game. And I'm hoping by then that's just going to be a dead rubber and that we're already qualified. Uh, but, you know, let's see over there. I mean, how much importance do you put in the Europa League this season, Adam? I personally, I, I think it's actually vital. I think it's absolutely vital for us because we've got a you've got a good sized squad and so we need to rotate especially players like Ericsson you know you you don't want to take any risks with his health whatsoever so we need to rest him and then we you've got other players look at the bench today I would say most of the bench that start well I say started but you know started on the bench could play in the Europa League and we need them to be fit you know, in case we get any suspensions or any injuries to our first class eleven. So if they're fit and play well and gain confidence in the Europa League, they can just come in and slot into the Premier League team. And you know, we hopefully, you know, touch wood with no with no in, you know issues to do with that. So you know, obviously, the further we go in the Europa League, you know, kind of the more serious it gets, the more the tougher games you expect to get. So, but personally. I think it's vital not only for the Premier League but for winning a trophy's sake. You can never personally. I want to every season that we start. I want to win every trophy that we're in. I'm not somebody that ah oh, poo poos a trophy. I want to win the quadruple. You know, we probably won't win the quadruple, obviously, but I want to, you want to win the FA Cup. I want to win the League Cup, Premier League, Europa League. That won't happen, but we should be trying to win every trophy that we're in. I don't personally. It's just me. I don't like throwing away any trophies. Yeah. No, like I, it will be interesting how he shuffles the pack now. As I said, I had been surprised that he's gone four games in a row with virtually an unchanged lineup. Yeah, I know Anthony came in for Langer today, but yeah, that's pretty much four games in a row that everybody started. A lot of them have played 90 minutes, and I thought somewhere in it, and I did actually think it would be more that Leicester game rather than Arsenal today, where he might have mixed it up, <clears throat> but in the end, he didn't. He's gone with the same lineup, so you would expect there will be some change up now for this Europa League matches. But as you say, we've got quite a bit of strength on the bench nowadays a lot of players who need some minutes who've got a lot to kind of prove uh so yeah i think this is the time to now come in and maybe you know not the kind of intensity of a premier league game is maybe the time where you might give yeah casemiro a run out and i agree with you ed i think that casemiro and fred because they know each other could end up playing a lot uh, whereas we might see kind of McTominay and Ericsson as a partnership. We might see Casemiro and Fred as the kind of alternative. Uh, be, you know, we'll see how he kind of mixes and matches over there. And then, yeah, you still have Ronaldo, you still have Elanga and people like that who can come in and get some minutes over there. I mean, yeah, I'm not expecting, like I say, a fully changed up lineup, but yeah, there's seven players who can come in and make a kind of difference. I mean, for me now, the Europa League is actually the second most important trophy of the season. I mean, obviously the Premier League is number one. I do not think we have a chance of winning the Premier League although I have seen some of our fans starting to get quite excited and talk about that kind of possibility after four wins on the bounce and uh, yeah look why not why not why not have like some kind of extra dreams out there but I do think you know the lights of Manchester City are still quite a step ahead and I said at the start of the season I will be happy if we can finish top four and that's kind of enough for me uh, but yeah Adam you know you want to be winning a trophy and Europa League for me is now becomes the second most important trophy i mean some people might disagree and say you know the fa cup is still up there i don't know what you think about ed between europa league and fa cup which which for you is still more important uh i'd rather win the europa league if i'm honest uh over the fa cup but i mean i'm on record as saying we're going to finish third so you know we don't need to win the fa cup to get into europe for me uh we, we, we will finish you know Second, second, if not well, third, if not second. Yeah, yeah, you no. were the most bullish preseason, and uh, we we laughed at you after two matches, but now yeah. Uh, yeah. we're all getting on board. I laughed over at myself. There, right? Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. there's also personally you want to banish the memory of that Europa League final, that mm. one missed spot kick. You want to go one step further than that and just have lifting the trophy because you don't want that to be our last kind of like major final memory. You want something more than that. So for me, I want I want to try and take that out of the way and get towards lifting the trophy. So bring on the Europa League, I say. Yeah, yeah. I think with the squad we have, you do know we we'd be doing very bad not to go deep into the Europa League. Uh, and you know, it's sort of like 
and not sackable offence, but you know, I mean, you are raising serious questions about Eric Tang Hag and his uh, abilities as a manager if he doesn't go deep in the Europa League with this squad. You, you obviously you can't obviously discount. You don't know at this stage who's going to come third in the Champions League group. So mm. you, no, you know, oh, true. There's, but, there's I mean, that, you know, all that malarkey to think about. You know, so, I, I, but I agree. I agree with what you say. We should, you know, be going definitely far. But it's just kind of one of those, you know, a, a bad team could have a really, you know, Real Madrid could finish third. Oh my, we could face Real Madrid and all that. But I doubt it. But you know, one of those hypothetical scenarios. You know, you've got to always think about, you know, the predictabilities of it all. Yeah, it is a weird one where, you know, you look at the teams at the moment and say, all right, we should definitely win this. But yeah, always worth remembering that some teams will drop down in from the Champions League as well. Um, But yeah, it will be interesting to see how seriously Eric Ten Hag takes it. I think he will take it seriously. Uh, I mean... In years gone by, we used to laugh at the Europa League, you know, the Thursday night thing. I mean, Ferguson didn't always take it that seriously. I remember him putting out more or less a reserve team against Athletic Bilbao uh, quite a few years ago when we ended up in this. But I think since they started offering that Champions League place... All teams have taken this competition so much more seriously. Uh, you know, when that wasn't on offer, it was kind of semi-derided. You'd give youth players a chance. You'd rotate, see what was going on. But now, I think everybody realises this is... And that is the big thing for me, why it takes this competition ahead of the likes of the FA Cup. Of course, the FA Cup still has that history. It still has that kind of prestige. But yeah, for me, the Europa League becomes more important than the FA Cup or the League Cup. Um, you know, but really, you know, seeing as where we're at five years, in no trophies we shouldn't really be deriding well, exactly. any of these competitions I was going to say do you know what, what if we hide Eric Ten Hag for if he doesn't want to win a trophy in his first season sort of thing do you know he's not coming into this season thinking well top four is just my ambition he'll want to win a cup he'll want to get his name on on, on a trophy this season at United because it, it you know I think that's part of why all this time at United fell apart. He, he just never put them across the line. And then you're thinking, well, if he can't do this in the cup, how's he going to do it in the league? And I think it, it it's it's setting a marker for how he wants to go forward. And I, I do think it's important for him to at least go deep in one or two of the cup competitions. And I think he will take them seriously. Yeah, and it is a bit weird, like I say, with the World Cup in the middle of everything. We've already had our uh, League Cup draw and we're playing Aston Villa, but it's not going to be till November. Uh, so that already takes kind of break. And in fact, I've not even really looked at when the FA Cup kind of kicks off. Uh, yeah, like not. I say, that will, I think it's not till after the World Cup now. So yeah, it's all going to be kind of weird this season in the different competitions and all. Um, but yeah, look, this kicks off now. As I say, all the group games come thick and fast and will be done and dusted by kind of early November. Uh, so yeah, we go straight in there and we should be qualifying with ease uh, top of the league. And I'm saying like, I mean, even should say that our last couple of games, hopefully are kind of dead rubbers where we can maybe give some fringe and youth players a kind of run out. Uh, yeah. But yeah, first one up is Real Sociedad on Thursday. And then, yeah, we've got Palace away on the weekend, which That's will not be game. easy either. We shouldn't kind of forget about that. They're either actually been on quite good form so far this season. Uh, we will be back after one of those matches. Um, I can't guarantee you after Real Sociedad, but we'll definitely come back after Palace. Uh, before we round off today, I want to give a shout out to our sponsors, Manscaped. Uh, Manscaped is the place to go for all your men's grooming needs. And actually, yeah, women, you can use this stuff as well. It's all marketed for men, but yeah, I've got this stuff and it's high quality equipment. So yeah, feel free to go and check that out. Head over to manscaped.com. Use the code UNITEDHOUR20 to get 20% off. I know we have listeners from all over the world listening to us and you can get this stuff now in the UK, all over the EU, Canada, USA, Australia, New Zealand, Singapore, South Africa, and also out in the Middle East in uh, UAE and Saudi Arabia. So yeah, head over manscaped.com and that code UNITEDHOUR20. Um, yeah, well, look, we'll finish off here. I want to say thanks to you, Adam. And I absolutely agree with you. I hope people can get out to watch the women's matches over there. Uh, So those are the things to look out for this week. As I say, we will play Real Sociedad at Old Trafford on Thursday. Uh, The women's team kick off at the Spurs Stadium on Saturday. And then we've got Crystal Palace away. So, yeah, we'll have plenty to talk about on the next show. Uh, Ed, is there anything I've forgotten? Uh, If you have, I have. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> hit us up on Twitter. We will tag Adam on there. So yeah, do feel free to follow Adam and I'm sure you'll get kind of some good updates of the women's season ahead. And yeah, look, Twitter is our main place. We are still on Instagram. We are on Facebook, so you can follow us on there. Thanks again to all our Patreons. We've had a few new subscribers this week. And if you've not got the link to join us for our Discord match day chats, just drop us a line over on Patreon and we will get that sent to you. Uh, we've had two, three new, few new people joining us there. And it's always, yeah, a bit of fun to see what Ed's moaning about on match day every time. <laughs> not just me. It's not just me. Jamie does it as well. Yeah, I'm yeah. more positive, in fact. I'm defending the team. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're right. You're right. You can hear those live thoughts over on our match day Discord. So, yeah, go over to Patreon if you want to join us over there. I think that will be all for this week over there. And, uh, yeah, we will hit you up on the next one. Good night from me. Good night, Good night from me. Bye-bye. United Hour is part of the Sports Social Network. Edited by Imran Lahair. And our theme song is by Ancient Feelings. To get in touch, please follow us on Twitter, united underscore hour, or email us at unitedhour at gmail.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.